Uh, not that I didn't put any thought or work into the sermon or anything, but I wanted us to, you to look at the words of God yourself and open the Bible up and, uh, and really look at the words of God as we go and talk about convictions. Um, Exodus 32. Now, just prior to this, this is when Moses goes up to the mountain, Mount Sinai, and he goes up there to get the, uh, what, he, what comes to be known now as the Ten Commandments, the law. And uh, prior to that, we know that they came out of Egypt, all the miracles, all the ten plagues. I mean, it was amazing. They, uh, they, they had the Passover meal. They crossed the Red Sea. The walls, the walls of water parted. Uh, they sang the song of Moses. And then Moses goes up, and that's the scene. He, goes, he climbs up this high mountain. Now, I don't know how high it was, but he was gone for a long time, 40 days. Long time. You ever, you ever been at a high altitude? I don't know you, but I get a little queasy. If I'm, if I'm in a hotel and I'm on the top floor and I, and I press my face against the window, uh, something happens to my stomach. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I realize that I don't belong up there. Um, but I do want to commend a sister who went up in the air. High. I don't, I don't know if it was as high as Mount Sinai, but Susan Augustinelli went up into, a, into an airplane. And against all logic and sense of humanity, jumped out of the airplane. It's called skydiving. And she fell to the earth at great speeds. And thank goodness Tony talked about someone examined her parachute. I'm glad they did. Because it opened and she's here this morning. Susan went skydiving yesterday. uh, And really, that was an amazing thing of courage to do. I I would not do that. Um, my life insurance wouldn't even cover that. Um, you know, and Moses goes up and goes away. And so this is the scene of Exodus 32. So let's look in our Bibles. In verse 1. When the people saw that Moses was so long and coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, or in the Hebrew text, it's actually a bull, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the the bull or the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early, sacrificed burnt offerings, and presented fellowship offerings. Afterwards, they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Let us take a look at this first part of the text. They, they assume Moses is dead. He's gone. He ain't coming back. And they want Aaron to act and not wait for Moses' return. You know, that happens somewhere else in the Bible, for all you people that read the Bible a lot. In 1 Samuel, Saul did not wait for Samuel to return. And he took it upon himself to offer something that was unauthorized to God. In 1 Samuel... It, he acted in total disobedience. But here is the, what happened to Aaron long before Samuel. 
It happened before. He doesn't wait for Moses. And with Moses gone, the people begin to think like other nations. They want him to make a bull. You know why they want to make a bull? Because they want him to be like everybody else. Hey, they got these idols. They got these statues. Make our God visible. Put this big God that nothing can contain and localize him, please. And a bull at that time was, was considered powerful and fertile. Fertile for your lands. This, we want our God to be this, but we want to put him here. We want to localize God. And when you localize God and turn into, into an idol or a statue, you want to manipulate that statue. Come on now. Work with me, God. <laughs> Work with me. That's why they wanted to localize him. They wanted to, they wanted to manipulate the Lord. The Lord cannot be localized. He says, don't make any images of me ever. Because I'm bigger than anything. You don't even know what I look like. And you never will until the day you're judged. And this is what they wanted. They wanted a God they can see, touch, just like the rest of the nations. And this bull, it was not a little, like a little calf. That's not strong. You can just kick that thing. But I'm talking a bull. Like the ones in Spain. The running of the bulls. Strong. Strong and powerful. You know, Aaron decides to grant their request. And the people were allowed to settle. Settle their convictions on a golden statue. What do you like when you don't have convictions in your life? Do you want to be like everybody else? Oh, yeah. well, man, why can't we be more like... More, look at them! You know, what's strangely odd about this passage is that they had a festival to the Lord, they sacrificed offerings, they presented fellowship offerings, and then they committed sexual immorality. It's called revelry. They ate and they drank and they began to be immoral. People just come to church sometimes. They come to church to give their offering and fellowship, but then once they leave, it's back to what they want to do because they don't have convictions. Meaning this, conviction means to be convinced of. It takes, a, it takes 12 people on a jury to be fully convinced that you committed this offense. So you are convicted because they're convinced that you did it. It's obvious you did it. Is it obvious you have convictions about God? Is, it, is your convictions obvious to others? You know, yesterday I went to the ACL thing and I don't know what it was, what it was if, I started, if I just had a great prayer time. I don't know what it was. But I started hugging everybody who, weren't, who wasn't Christians. Like, hey, it's great to see you, Omar. And I gave him a, and he was like a statue. He didn't know how to, I was like, hey, it's great to see you. And I realized after, after the third hug of just complete, guys that I'm just trying to get to know that they're not a being hugged. But I wanted to be loving, so I was like, Did I, was I just totally too weird? Was I that weird today? I don't know what it was, but I look back, maybe I was just filled with the conviction of, I want to be loving, I want to be different. And so I, I hugged these guys, who probably don't get hugs from men. I'm glad they didn't punch me. <laughs> you know, conviction is holding to a standard. And if you're a Christian or claim to be one, the standard is the Bible. Amen. That's the convictions. That's the absolute truth. When we don't, our lie, we don't live our lives with conviction, we eventually become like the people around us. We become like our coworkers who have those crude jokes at the water cooler. 
We begin to laugh and say, I, I, I got a better one. Because we lose our sense of conviction. You know, we look the part. We think if we look the part, I feel, I feel it more. No. Just because you look the part, just because you're dressed nicely on Sunday morning and you come to church, doesn't mean you got it. Conviction comes from a relationship with God. We're going to look at it here in a few seconds. They burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings, and then they were immoral with prostitutes. Wow. I, li- I used to live that way. I used to go to church on Sundays and go on, God's day, then Monday was my day. And I would go and be immoral. I would go and get drunk. I would go and lie. I would go and do whatever I wanted to do. That was how I lived my life, thinking I was still right with God. Let's look in verse 7. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go down, because your people, whom you brought out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They have been quick to turn away from what I've commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a bull. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, These are your gods, Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. I have seen these people, the Lord said to Moses, and they are stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone so that my anger may burn against them and that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord and said, Lord, why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians say it was with an evil intent that he brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger, relent, and do not bring disaster on your people. Remember your servant Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your own self, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land I promised them, and it will be their inheritance forever. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. Wow. Being a solid, strong disciple of Jesus comes from one place only. That's your relationship with God. Amen. You know what? Can you imagine the scene there? God says, Moses, stand aside. I'm going to wipe Shoreline out, but Geo, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'd be like, I'd be like sorry, Bernsey, the Lord's mad. Sorry about that, brother. Hey, man. That was great, but hey, he's really angry. What am I, I going to do? He's the Lord. Look at Moses' relationship with God. He says, wait, 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 wait. Aren't these your people? Because earlier God said, your people have become corrupt. You brought them out of Egypt. And the Moses goes, wait, 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 wait. No, you brought them out of Egypt. These are your people. <laughs> do you see that in the text? He goes, hey, don't do that because if you do that, they're going to say this about us. And remember that when you said to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Remember that promise? Now, technically, God was going to fulfill it through Moses slash Geo. Yes, that's a good feeling. Oh, I'm going to use, you're going to use me? Uh, can you imagine what you would have felt like? I feel pretty, you feel that great about me? That's, uh, he's angry, guys. He's angry at you guys. Sorry. The, the intervention. Look at his relationship with God. The God, God was upset. I'm going to destroy them. And he goes, no, God. Relent. Look at that relationship. Is that what your relationship's like with God? Do you go back and forth? God, God, my, that's, hey, it's a relationship. The convictions Moses had about his relationship with God, he appeals. 
I want that kind of relationship. I like that relationship. You know, earlier in the Bible, in Genesis, guess who else does that? Abraham goes, God, are you going to destroy Sodom? What if there's 50 people there who are righteous? Okay, okay. What if there's 40? Okay, what if there's 10? Okay, what if there's... Okay, there's no one. Go ahead. But you see the appeal. You see the relationship. He's trying to intervene. Do you pray for other people? Do you pray for your fellow brother, your fellow sister? Do you pray when you know they're not doing well? Do you pray, God, be with them, help them, strengthen them? What's your relationship with God like? Is it self-centered where you just pray for your own needs, your own self, your own situation? Moses could have easily said, go right ahead because I'm pretty awesome. Start over. Hey, that's not a bad idea, Lord. You know what? They are a little stiff-necked. Yeah, that's right. It was God who called them stiff-necked. If anyone felt that more, it was Moses. Moses was constantly frustrated with God's people. Constantly. You know, you bring them out here. There's no food. Fine, here's food. Here, there's no meat. Fine, here's some meat. Fine, there's no water. Fine, there. hit the rock, and then Moses gets banned from the promised land. The frustration that Moses felt over the years where he disobeyed God, he was so frustrated with people. God said, speak out of the rock. Moses goes, I'm so ticked off, I'm going to hit the rock. And he hits the rock and water comes out and God says, you disobeyed me, you don't get to go to the promised land. Wow. Can you, can you see when God calls him stiff neck, Moses' love for the people, for his fellow brothers? No, don't do that. Conviction. Where was Aaron at? Aaron just lacked conviction. No conviction. Insecure. You know, and I appreciate Moses saying, hey, listen, God, you said sand of the seashores. You said you make us into a, numerous as the stars. Do you pray for that? Do you pray that about Shoreline? In our vision, in our 2020 vision? God, make it happen. Let's do this. Let's take a look at Aaron for a second. There was a time, even though, even though Aaron, what he did was incredible. I mean, you couldn't even believe. I, t- I mean, it's unbelievable what he did. But there was a time when Moses was weak too. When Moses initially asked God to go and get his people out of Egypt, what did Moses say? Hey, man, hey uh, can someone else do it? Hey, Lord, um, I, don't even, I, 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 I stutter. I stutter. I'm not good. I'm not a good speaker. And but if you read Acts chapter 7, verse 21, the Bible reveals that Moses was eloquent and powerful in speech. He didn't have a stuttering problem. But you're telling God, you see that? That's not good. That's not good at all. That, I can't be the guy. And so Aaron has to, Aaron becomes the Moses and speaks to Pharaoh on behalf of God. It wasn't Moses initially. It was his brother Aaron who says, I'll do it. You see, in there are certain places in our spiritual walk, you're going to be strong and your brother's going to be weak. And we need complementary relationships. We need, a, we need not to rely on our own gifts. There's, there's a lot of people that have complementary gifts in our church. In accomplishing God's will, sometimes God has us rely on others who have different gifts to make us stronger. This time it was Moses going, Aaron, what is this? And so let's read the account. Verse 15. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the law. You know, he had the Ten Commandments in his hands. 
They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the, of the people shouting, because Joshua was kind of near the mountain, close to Moses, there is a sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, it is not the sound of victory. It is not the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hand, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the bull they had made and burned it in the fire. Then he grounded it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. That's conviction. He said, Aaron, what did these people do to you? You know, sometimes God wonders that. What are these people doing to you, disciples? What is the world doing to your convictions? What are they doing to you? We want to make everything politically correct sometimes, which trumps our convictions. No, 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 no. Immoralities is wrong. If you're not married to someone and you're sleeping with them, it's just wrong. It's going to destroy your relationship. It has catastrophic consequences. If you're married and you commit adultery, it's catastrophic. All kinds of things. That the world is trying to make, it's not so bad. It's irreconcilable. No, it's not. In verse 21, what did these people do to you that led you, that led you, that you led into in such a great sin? Do not be angry, my Lord. Aaron answered, you know how prone these people are to evil. <laughs> Come on. You heard God, they're stiff neck. They said to me, make us God who go before us. As his fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what he's, what's happened to him. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold and I threw it in the fire and boom, out came out this bull. Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them out of control and so became a laughing stock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. You know, Moses is filled with the right convictions, righteousness, and God cares a lot about it. And, he, and Aaron is questioned by Moses. And all these people had, all they had was just opinions. Hey, Moses is gone. He's dead. Come on. Look at them. We want a God. Come on, Aaron. What are you going to do? Come on, Aaron. Aaron has another characteristic of weakness of convictions. He makes excuses for what he did. <laughs> well, Moses, you don't understand. They were saying this about you. They were talking bad about you. You know how they are. They're, they're, they're worldly. They're unspiritual, man. Come on. I just said, take off your jewelry and boom, calf. It's like, I don't know what happened. Not taking responsibility for sin is weak. As, as, as some say, it's weak sauce. It's weak. You can't make excuses or else you'll never get the conviction you need. You know, it's always frustrating when we see, you know, all the evidence, DNA linking this guy, you know, everything in the book. And then the guy's like, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. It was somebody else. It wasn't me fingerprints, DNA. I'm like, what? Denial. Not the Nile River. Denial. Don't deny it. Own it. Get conviction from it. God wants us to learn from mistakes. He knows we're going to fall. Learn from it. Conviction. What's your conviction? 
You know, weak convictions in your life as you claim to be a disciple can make us a laughing stock. That's what it was. What we become a laughing stock. We claim to be disciples, but don't live that way. Laughing stock. Here's a few heart checks. What is your conviction about you evangelizing, you sharing your faith? What is your conviction about that? Have you lost it? What's your conviction about reading the Bible, reading scriptures? What's your conviction about confessing what's in your hearts? Getting the sin out of your hearts. The older you get as a Christian, the more stuff piles up in your heart. Maybe you don't have the outside sins, but there's a whole lot of stuff going on on the inside. Whole lot of stuff. What about your contribution? Your tithing to God? Have you lost your conviction? There's only a few of us here who aren't working. But many of us aren't giving. Few are are working. Only a few. Only a handful. Many are not giving. And I put, that on, I put that numerical number on that sheet so you do know. We are falling behind. And what that just shows me, numbers aren't the end all. They just reflect a certain part of our, our heart. And a certain part of Shoreline's heart has lost this conviction. We just lost it. And we need to get it back. Because that determines and dictates how close you really are to the Lord. Is, really, is everything really yours? I know I used to believe that. It's mine. And then I read the Bible and go, okay, it's really yours, God. And it became so much more refreshing for me. It didn't become a duty anymore. It became, hey, this is rightfully yours. You know, yesterday, our neighbor, we're trying to reach out to, we prayed for this new neighbor to come out, and we prayed for a daughter, and, and, and my daughter prayed for a, a young girl, and, and lo and behold, a young married couple moved in across, right across from us. You know, they can look out of their window and they see us, and we go out there and see them. And they're right across this way. And yesterday, hanging out with them, getting to meet him. I hadn't met him since he moved in. So I went over to meet him. And, you know, it's always the, um, yeah, so, so what do you do for a living? And he, I asked him, and he's like, ah. I said, what do you do? I said, oh, I'm, in a, I'm a minister. Really? And the fish jumped in the boat. I love when that happens. It, very, it doesn't happen very often. But they, I want to come to church. I said, that's great. You should. We had a, my, I want my daughter to have morals. I said, That's, we got a great children's ministry. It's awesome. And then that same day, uh, our, our neighbor, neighbor, uh, the neighbor's, neighbor's kid who plays baseball came over to Jaden and gave him a baseball glove. And then Jaden, oh, the rest of the night, was just tossing his little ball in the air. And I want, he was, we were playing catch. And this morning, he even woke up. First thing, got his glove out. He's, he's like, and I'm going like, what's going on here? We're playing soccer here, baby. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't squelch it. I didn't squelch his convictions. I didn't smash it. But he goes, Dad, he goes, Dad, are there really take-backs? Meaning, he was talking about his glove. Will, will my friend take it back? Will he take, take the glove? But he was all happy he got a gift, but he was worried that his friend will take it back. So is he going to take it back? You think, is there other take-backs? And I said, not if he's your real friend. If he's your real friend, you have a real relationship Whatever he gives you, he'll never take it back. And that's what it's like with God. It's a real relationship. There are no take backs. God's going to give you something that says, give it right back. No, that's not who we worship. But we need conviction, guys. Strong conviction. And then, and then look at, the, look at, the, look at the, the trumpet call. Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. Do you love that? 
Are you for the Lord, Shoreline? Then come to him. Moses is coming. And guess who came? The Levites. And guess who they, guess who they end up, ended up being in the Bible? They are the ones that got the honor of taking care of God in his temple. They got to see God all the time. Yeah, there's the Lord in that little curtain. Don't go back there because you're dead, but he's back there. <laughs> they got to set up the temple. It was amazing, amazing privilege. Verse 27. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side. Rawr! Go back and forth to the camp. From one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as, the, as Moses commanded. And that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, you have been set apart to the, to the Lord today. For you were against your own sons and brothers. And he has blessed you this day. Now mind you, these are the ones that did not want to change. They wanted the calf. They wanted the bull. They wanted that. Convictions were different. The next day, Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves uh, gods of gold. But now, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. Wow. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sin. And the Lord struck the people with the plague because of what they did with the bull Aaron had made. Strong convictions. Can you look at another aspect of strong convictions? Praying. God, he, Moses says, hey, forgive them, but if you've got to take someone out, take me. Wow. Take me. You know, in the military, they, they give the highest honor to those who have that heart. Yesterday, a soldier was, was a living soldier, was, giving, was given the Medal of Honor, the Congressional Medal of Honor, yesterday. That's an award to say, hey, I'm willing to lay it down. He, he saw his buddy being carried away by the, by the enemy, literally carried away, and he ran after him. He ran him down, shot the enemy dead, and took his buddy and took him back. Most guys who get that award are dead. They usually jump under a grenade, boom, to save others. They usually say, say, everyone fall back, I'll stay, and they die. They lay it down. That's what Moses did. God, take me. Take me. That's how much he cared for his brother and his sister. It could have been easy going like, I deserve it, Lord. Get him. It could have been so easy to go, I'm so frustrated with you, bro. I've talked to you ten times about your contribution. Done. Done. But the Lord says he will punish them. They don't escape. Because most of those guys never saw the promised land. God waited till they died, 40 years, and when they all died, then the young ones got to go. They didn't get to see it. That's a foreshadow of, if you don't have convictions, you ain't going to heaven. You ain't going to make it. If you're weak sauce now on your convictions, oh boy, you need some soul-searching heart checks today. A relationship that Moses had with his brothers. Man, reminds me of John 15, a friend 
when Jesus says a friend will lay down his life for his friend. That's what friends do. They lay it down. No problem. When you allow your heart to become selfish, worldly, there's going to be fallout. People will die spiritually. If you lack conviction, people are going to die spiritually. In your own family, in your own house church, in our church, people are going to die spiritually. We must have convictions. Some of say, well, that wasn't fair what God did. It's not fair. Why do, you, why do you do that? Is God fair? Okay, let me tell you something right now. You don't want God to be fair. You don't want fairness. Here's fair. You blew it, you're dead, and you ain't making it. Oh, you blew it too? Same as you. You're dead, you ain't making it. Oh, you back there, Roger, you blew it? Just like this guy, just like them, you ain't never going to make it to heaven. You don't want God to be fair. You don't want fairness. But you better thank God he's just. Just goes, oh, you want to change? Okay, I'll relent. Fairness is you ain't got a shot to change. You ain't ever have a chance to change. You're done. That's fair. Fair is when you have three kids and they're all getting a spanking. That's fair. <laughs> they're all getting it. If no one fessed up, we all got it. That's what my dad did. Everyone, down the row. And I knew my brother wasn't telling, wasn't going to cough it up. I want a just God. I don't want a fair God. You better thank God he's not fair. So when everything is not fair, we're going, thank you, Lord, for being just. Thank you, Lordy, Lord. You want a just God. You don't want a fair God. Let's make a decision today to never let our ministry be like this in the Bible. Amen? To God be the glory, guys. I love you.